0: go well good morning if you would take your bibles and turn with me to first Samuel 21 last time we gathered corporately for church what we did last couple of months wasn't actually church I told Anastasia it wasn't church is the gathering this is the gathering that wasn't the gathering that was something else was a hiatus So I told Anastasia we got to come to church today, and she's like, okay, and then she pointed to the swing. So, (laughs) oh dear. (laughs) Anyway, so 1 Samuel 21. As you think about the idea of my way or his way in 1 Samuel 21 through 22, I want you to think about the idea of fear for a little bit. Have you ever become overwhelmed by a sense of fear? What brought that fear into your life? What were the circumstances that were going on in the middle of that situation that caused you, or at least were part of the situation that resulted in you being fearful? Was it a loss of a job? Was it a change in your position at your job? Perhaps it was some sort of illness that you experienced. Or maybe it was a situation that was going on in your immediate family or maybe your extended family that caused you to be fearful, to be concerned. And it's interesting, as we talk about all this, it's easy for us to say and to think that indeed those things caused our fear, that the health situation caused me to be fearful, that the, the insecurity in my workplace caused me to be fearful, or the situation in the midst of my family caused me to be fearful. But in actuality, in reality, what causes all of those things is a lack of faith in God, and a a lack of willingness to, on a day-by-day pattern, follow God in faithful obedience. And that's something that I struggle with, and that's something that you struggle with on a regular basis. And that's something that David struggled with in 1 Samuel 21 and 22. And as he works his way through this section of scripture, as he works his way through this time of his life, he demonstrates extreme lack of faith and a lack of trust in God. And God is going to bring about the situation so that he is rebuked. And by the end of this story, is actually looking at somebody else who is in the same type of situation that David is. And David's faith has grown through this trial, and no longer is he living out of fear, but he is encouraging this young man not to be fearful, but rather to walk by faith, to continue to trust and obey God on a day-by-day basis. The big idea then of 1 Samuel 21 through 22 is God provides for His repentant servants. If you would take your Bibles and let's read 1 Samuel 21 through 22. <coughs> now David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid when he met David, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest. The king has ordered me on some business, and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you, or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David, and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept at least, at least kept themselves from women. David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread, which would, had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod, If you will take that, take it. For there is no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart, And was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, stretched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? chapter 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who, uh, who was was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, "Please, let my father and mother come here." With you, till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt there with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart, and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of hereth When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tam- tamarisk tree, and Rama with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. <coughs> then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was who sat over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob in Ahimelech, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitu. When he inquired of the Lord from him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitu, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob, And they all came to the king, and Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitu. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him? that he should rise against me to lie and wait as it is this day. So Himelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servants or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day. Eighty-five men who wore a linen ephod. Also, Nab, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys, and sheep with the edge of the sword. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitu, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day, when Deleg Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. Let's go the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you do provide for your repentant sinners, that you Desire us to walk by faith and not to live in fear. We pray that it would be our desire as we look at your word and as we go back to our regular responsibilities this coming week to follow you in obedience, to follow you in faithfulness, and to not live in pursuit of other things, whether that be fear or gain in some way rather to follow you in faithful obedience in your name we pray amen living in self-reliance that's what we see david doing at the beginning of this whole narrative he runs off to nob and why is he running to nob it is to escape king saul and so he he gets to nob and he asks the priest for provisions it's interesting, as he and the priest have this conversation, the priest is immediately fearful of the circumstances. He's you know, spider senses are kind of up, and he's like, why are you all by yourself? And David lies to him. He lies the first time to him, and he claims that there is a secret mission that the king has sent him on. And he goes on and he says that he wants to eat the showbread, The bread that God had said was only for the priests. And he moves on from there and he agrees that he and his men are ritually pure. There's no reason for us to doubt that. But he is um, pushing himself. He's asserting himself. He's lying to this priest. Why? Because he is fearful. Because he is not walking by faith. He's not walking in obedience to God's word as he uh, sorry as as they move on though he continues to lie even more to the priest as he moves on he he said earlier that the mission was a secret mission and that he and his men have all remained pure and away from women for 3 days right and then he's asking for a sword. And why did he not have his own sword? Because he left in such haste. See, the tr- two cannot be true. He's number one, not on a secret mission, so he's lied. And number two, he didn't leave in haste because he's already said something else that contradicts that about being ritually pure so that he could eat the showbread. So he's contradicting himself, he's lying, in order to secure what he believes will provide for him. Isn't that interesting? All that we've seen David go through, we look at chapter 16, and what does God say of David? God says of David that he is a man after God's own heart, that he is a man who pursues faithful obedience to God. Chapter 17 has David right in line with Jonathan the crown prince who says God can deliver this Philistine into my hands why? because of who God is not because of who I am in chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20 he's fleeing from Saul and God is providing him success God is protecting this future king and then you get to chapter 21 and where does David go for his protection where does David go for his provision? He turns to self-reliance. He turns to lies. Instead of following the Lord in faithful obedience, he turns to all the things around him. And it's interesting just how just how far down David can go, and it's interesting and sad just how far... We can go in our own disobedience, in our own lack of faith. Notice the interchange between David. It just demonstrates how much faithlessness David is walking with this interchange that he has with Ahimelech. In verse 8, David asks Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take it, take it, for there is no other except that one here. It's interesting, what did Goliath rely upon as he was getting ready to face David? He thought that his armor and his utensils for war would surely provide him the victory over this little shepherd boy that was running at him with a staff and probably a sling that was still in his pouch. But what does David say? David rebukes him and says, no, God's going to provide the victory. And notice how far down David has gone in his walk of faith. What is he depending upon There is none like it. This thing is a massive sword. Yes, please. There is not a sword in the land like it. This thing will surely provide me the protection that I need. Wow. He's turned to self-reliance. He's turned away from faithfulness and obedience. And we look at it and it's shocking to us. And yet we do the same type of thing. It's so easy for us to be going through life and so quickly and so easily turn to our own understanding of a situation that we're going through. Turn to our own abilities to provide for and acquire what we believe that we need and not to rely upon God and His provision and his care unfortunately David's downward trend is not over yet where does he go for protection first of all he goes and he grabs a sword and now in verses 10 and following he's going to Gath where's Goliath from he's from Gath So I mean, the irony of ironies right here you have The Goliath of Gath Slayer Who's like the biggest enemy To all the Philistines ever possible That takes The sword of the enemy that he killed That made him like really reprehensible to all the Philistines And he takes that Sword that he thinks is going to protect him From King Saul who's pursuing him And he's going to the Philistine Land to seek protection from their King See how the mighty can Fall when they fail to live By faith when they fail to walk by faith. You and I ought to take heed, lest we think that this cannot happen to us. It's one day of not doing what I know I'm supposed to do. One day of disobedience to my parents. One day of failing to meditate on who Christ is and failing to live by the grace that God provides and then it becomes two days and then it becomes three days and how the mighty fall it's interesting as David enters into the kingdom of Akish, and he enters into Gath the people of Gath remind David of his destiny and the servants of Akish said to him is this not David, the king of the land? At least somebody's got their head screwed on, right? right? This is his destiny. This is what he's been anointed for. This is where he's going. This is what he's supposed to be doing. And they move on. Did they not sing of him to one another and dances, saying, Saul is laid as thousands, and David is ten thousands? And David hears this and what happens? The fear that he had in the beginning of chapter 21 is compounded. Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And what does he do? He acts like a madman. spittle drooling down his beard and he's doing things purposefully to the gates either of the king's compound or to the gates of the city. Some people say maybe he's biting them or he's spitting on the gates to purposely make it look like he is completely insane. It's like what we saw Saul doing at the end of chapter 20 when he comes and it's purposely, easily demonstrated to the whole nation. Is Saul also among the prophets? I mean, this guy's been laying naked for, you know, a whole day and a whole night, prophesying in ecstatic exuberance. And the people are like, Something's wrong with Saul. How the mighty have fallen. It's a very sad commentary, chapter 21 is, of what happens when you and I choose to give in to fear and choose to pursue our own means to a solution. It's a very sad commentary on what happens when you and I choose self-reliance over obedience and faithfulness to God. Chapter 22 begins to show a glimmer of hope. David flees from Gath and he returns to the cave of Adullam, and his family comes and other people come and join him and then he decides that he's going to move to Moab. If you remember Ruth is a Moabite. So it's possible that he had a little bit of, you know, family sway that way. And he could be like, you know, great-great-grandma was a Moabite. Can I please have a little of a safety with you guys? Or maybe it was just Israel's our enemy. You're the enemy of the king of Israel, so we'll let you stay. Either way, he goes there. And as he enters into that place, he says to the, the king in verse 3, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will you for. You're beginning to see the change in David that we're all hoping for and waiting for with great anticipation, right? Because the David of chapter 21 is not the David that we've come to know and love in verse chapter 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. That David is a David who's walking by faith, who's pursuing God in obedience, and God is blessing him with success and making it obvious that this is my chosen servant to do my chosen tasks chapter 21 is a very quick downward spiral into an abyss and you're beginning to see a David who is looking forward to God's will and God graciously sends his prophet to David and the prophet comes and says do not stay in this stronghold. It's interesting, the word stronghold is used uh, two different times one in verse 4 and one in verse 5 once again David is looking forward to God's provision but where is he actually right now getting his protection from? It's the king of Moab and his stronghold probably some sort of fortress that's on a hill of some sort he's staying there with his family and his band of soldiers and David obeys. David chooses to walk by faith and to return to obedience. And you and I might be tempted to think isn't that exciting? Isn't that great? I mean, we've seen the hero of our story go from like level 10 to like Zero in like one chapter. It's a huge, drastic change in our hero. But now we're we'll returned to like, uh, like you know, level five or so. We're, we're climbing back up the stairs. Isn't this great? Life can return to normalcy. Everything is good again. But unfortunately, we have the record of the consequences of self reliance that comes next. And as we enter into this section, it's a very sad section that's full of death and a massacre. As we end chapter 22, we find out that the reason why this massacre happened is because David wasn't walking by faith. David failed to live in obedience to God. He turned to his own self-reliance. And because of that, Doeg betrayed Ahimelech and his family. And because they were betrayed... Most of that family was mercilessly slaughtered by Doeg, the Edomite. The story begins, and Saul hears that David and his men had been discovered, and Saul is furious, and we find Saul under the tamarisk tree with his spear. It's it's a beautiful picture. Every time you see Saul with his spear, you know, bad things are about ready to happen, or he's at least going to attempt bad things, right? And he's rebuking his servants. And he accuses them of all being in cahoots with David and seeking to help David and not seeking to serve him and to care for him. And he says, is is David going to make you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Is David going to provide you with the wealth and the provisions that I have provided you? And the implied answer that these servants are supposed to come to is absolutely not Saul, we're going to go find out where David is and we will betray him and anybody else that has assisted him. And as Doeg listens to this whole interaction, he tells the king, King Saul, you know what? Back when I was detained at Nob, I saw David come to Ahimelech and Ahimelech actually helped David. He gave him food, he gave him sword, and he actually inquired of the Lord for him. It's interesting, we're not even told what was inquired of the Lord. I really don't think that whatever was inquired of the Lord, David obeyed and followed in obedience. (coughs) text moves on and as the text moves on King Saul calls for Ahimelech to come before him and as he comes he asks him in verse 13 why have you conspired against me you and the son of Jesse and that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day the final accusation is just completely wrong David has not been lying in wait for King Saul's life. We're not going to see that in all of David's life. He's not lying in wait. He's not looking for the next opportunity to kill King Saul. And in fact, when opportunities arise and present themselves to him, he refuses those opportunities. Saul is assigning motives and assigning actions to David that are not accurate. And Ahimelech seeks to defend himself, and he says... Listen, King Saul, I mean, um, King David is your most faithful servant, and he's your son-in-law, and he does your bidding, and he's honorable in your house. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king uh, impute anything to his servant, or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing at all, little or much. King Saul orders him And his family to be killed And most of King Saul's servants Refused to obey that order Why? Because they didn't want to kill The Lord's priests But Doeg is an Edomite He doesn't worship The Lord He doesn't care and so what does he do? He follows through and he obeys and he kills 85 men who wore the linen ephod, 85 priests. And then he follows that up by then killing the entire village of Nob. He killed the women, he killed the children, he killed the nursing infants, and he killed their livestock. The consequences of David's self-reliance are... Dire. They're horrible. And you and I may not experience consequences of our sin that is as bad as David's consequences of his self reliance. The chances of 85 priests getting killed as a result of your lack of faith are really quite small in America today. But what about the chances of one of your loved ones seeing your lack of faithfulness in your walk before God and that leading them to be tempted to do the same? What are the chances of that occurring? What are the chances of your lack of faithfulness, meaning a lack of and a loss of reward from God for faithfulness to them? The chances of that are very high. What are the chances of you facing early death as a result of your continued disobedience and unfaithfulness to God? Once again, the New Testament warns us that that is a dangerous possibility for those who fail to live by faith, fail to walk by faith, and follow the Lord in faithful obedience. Yeah, 85 people... And their wives and their children and their nursing infants and their their cats and dogs and all their animals that they have may not die because of your self-reliance. Because of two lies and a few days of disobedience that you might participate in. But the consequences of my lack of faith and your lack of faith can nonetheless be detrimental to those we love and may even cost us our own lives. Fortunately, the story ends on a bright note where we see David living in faithful obedience, and as he lives in faithful obedience, he's able to encourage and instruct Abiathar to walk in faith, to live in faith. Abiathar is the only son of Ahimelech that is able to flee this massacre. Now, where does he go? He goes to David, because... He's the one that brought this all about, right? And he gets to David. And notice David's response to the whole situation. At the very end of 22. I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear for he who seeks My life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. Why is he safe? Because he's living by faith. Because he's choosing to follow God in obedience once again. Goliath's sword did not provide David security. Going to Gath did not provide David security. Security Living in Moab did not provide David security. His self-reliance failed and had drastic, dire consequences for 85 priests and their families. But living by faith, following God in obedience, and returning to the land of Judah, there's safety in God's will. There's safety in obedience and faithfulness. And so how are you and I to respond to this truth? How are we called to live as a result of this truth? You and I are called on to give up our own way. We're called on to give up our own self-reliance and looking to our own selves to pursue solutions God wants us to look to his truth and to follow him in obedience. When you and I choose to look at our own means of accomplishing something, what we're actually doing is we're claiming to know better than God. When I choose to rely on my own ability to solve a crisis or a hard time that I am going through in my life, I'm in effect telling God, God, I've got this. You can take a break from your throne. I'll be okay on my own. And David was not okay on his own. And you and I are not okay on our own. So how do we live by faith? What's one area of your life where you know that you're not living in obedience? Or one area of your life where you're like, you know, I I obey a lot of the time. But I don't obey as much of the time as I should. How well do you know your neighbors? When was the last time you interacted with your neighbors, and sought to develop a relationship with them that will allow you to point them to the hope that is in Christ. When was the last time you purposefully developed a relationship, did something out of the ordinary, out of what is regularly part of your life, to seek to develop a relationship with somebody who's not here, You know, one Sunday out of the month. Or, you know, one Sunday out of the last four months. Seek to develop relationships with others that are outside of the circle that you're in. So that you can point them to the hope that is in Christ Jesus. That's a responsibility that I have. That's a responsibility that you have. And for us to be people who are living by faith, who are following God in obedience, we must be engaging the world around us. It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. Live by faith when it comes to your finances. Are your finances in control or are they just everywhere? And then you get to the middle of the month and it's like, oh no! I've got this and that and that living by faith means that you're organized that you actually have a plan you should have a general idea of how much money you're going to get every month might fluctuate a little bit but for the most part you and i have the ability to fairly well forecast what we're going to make this month then living by faith means that we're going to be purposeful in Planning. I'm going to generously give this amount to this ministry. I'm going to purposefully do this with this finances so that I have opportunities to fellowship with other believers. I'm going to organize my finances in such a way that I have opportunities to interact with unbelievers. That's one of the ways that we live by faith. You and I live by faith by faith. Purposefully and intentionally seeking to spend time in God's word so that we're full and understand who Christ is and what he's done for us so that we're motivated by truth and have a desire to live it out you and I walk by faith by seeking forgiveness quickly when we sin and being willing to quickly provide forgiveness when others sin against Really the the description of what walking by faith is and failing to do that has barely been scratched. The surface has barely been touched. I don't know what areas you're specifically struggling in. But the Spirit does convict you when you're struggling in those areas. And so are you going to respond this week by living in obedience and faithfulness? Are you going to continue to turn to your own means of finding a solution? Are you going to continue to turn to your own self-reliance? The danger of which are still present and are still dying. This week, purpose in your heart to walk by faith, to pursue obedience and faithfulness to Christ. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you have provided us with examples, both of faithfulness and obedience to your word, but also of the consequences and the danger of failing to live in obedience and faithfulness to your word. We pray that we would have a desire to live in <coughs> obedience to your word, and that you would help us to do so in a way that honors and glorifies you, and demonstrates your worthiness of worship this week. In your name we pray. Amen. <coughs> okay, let us stand as we sing our.